God bless you so much, everybody. We love you. The presence of the Lord is here. I said the presence of the Lord is here. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. Been a wild week or two. We've been riding supernaturally on the wings of God's power. How many ever feel the presence of the Lord strengthening you during the week? I know we're praying for Jill and Kathy. I know they came through sickness this past week. Others might be dealing with it. Some are in the hospital. Some uh, surely just come out of the hospital and dealing with her heart and uh, others. The next generation is, uh, is so vitally important to Pastor and Melissa and to Oak Grove. He is the God of generations. I love this picture. It has an old man's hand or a woman's hand. Can't tell. Might be a woman's. Uh, it's wrinkly and old. And, uh, and, and before you scoff at that, Yours will be wrinkly before you can <laughs> before you can blink your eyes. I'm already seeing age spots. Yeah. Yeah, it goes by pretty quick. Like I said, 32 years. Tori, happy birthday. 32 years ago, Tori was born at uh, Cox South. Um, how many believe in a higher law? Because there is a law of the land. You're supposed to go 55 down Glenstone. But Ralph, you and Sandy were there at Peace Chapel when Tori was born. And Melissa's going into labor at 3 in the morning, and I have to believe in the higher law. So I happened to be going 90 down Glenstone to get to Cox South. And and uh, it was a big surprise. She was four weeks early. Wow. And so here she is. And now she brings uh, two more. And uh, and the family goes, and so goes the family. So I want to give you a... a, a message today. God put on my heart, uh, pardon the interruption from the book of Acts study, but if you think about Acts chapter 5, they had some serious young people who stood up and were counted. Uh, strong and brave, like like um, like a Stephen, right? And um, Peter and James and John stood up with bravery. They spoke. They went back into prison, you know, in chapter 5. Uh, and they blew away the religious leaders. They didn't know what to do. They said, we told you, didn't we tell you not to preach in Jesus' name? They said, you read the rest of chapter 5, it's almost comical. You, didn't we tell you not to preach? And they said, go get those we put in prison. Go get them. And uh, so the guards go get them. Um, they came back scratching their heads. They said, the guards are there. Everything's still open. Well, there's no prisoners. Well, they were in the te temple preaching. How many know God can get you out of a bad situation? He's still God. And uh, so they threatened them again, and they didn't know what to do with them. That's Acts chapter 5. Then cha chapter 6, uh, they had some other troubles. How many know just because you're born again don't mean you don't have trouble? And we just had an altar filled with people who were fighting the enemy and attacking, Right? The enemy is attacking some of you in your homes, and your minds, and your heart, your life. And so widows began to not have their needs met. And James and John, Peter, and the, the apostles couldn't preach the word and try to preach the word and win the lost, do all of that, and serve the widows and the needs of the body. So chapter 6 of the book of Acts raises up young leaders. And the Holy Ghost and the Word of God says, find you seven men of honest report, uh, good report, and uh, find find people full of the Holy Ghost and a good report. How many know that's a good reputation to have? A clear conscience and filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, these young men were raised up, and they, they did the lot. You say, well, I don't know why we do what we do. Is it politics? No, it's a biblical mandate. It's a biblical pattern to find leaders in the church. And if there ever was a day in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the 21st century that we needed leaders, it is today. And so uh, many of our leaders uh, are, are passing on or moving on or retiring. And uh, at district council this past week, uh, our superintendent said that we are retiring more ministers than we are taking in new ministers. Can I tell you, that's problematic. We're shutting down our institutions of training leaders and ministers and missionaries. I mean, no, that's a problem. 
and mid-career pastors are falling like flies because they don't have any mentors. Everybody needs a pastor, and everybody here shouted, amen. Everybody needs a mentor. So God is the God of generations. He, he intends, God's plan is, is always that the older generation pass on to the next generation and the generation after that the word of the Lord and the ways of God and the works of God. That's what our topic is this morning. Today's National Youth Day. We've got to pass the torch. Our mandate is pretty simple. Raise up a generation that can openly display the power of God. Well, we have a generation coming out of the closet. How many know it's time to get our young people out of the powerful Holy Ghost-filled faith closet? I mean, you know, we need to teach them how to have power and authority, how to pray in the Spirit, how to pray, how to lead, how to serve, how to witness, how to, how to work for God, how to give their talents and their time and their energy to the Lord. Power. That's what we need. That's our, that's our mandate. The problem is we're risking losing a generation to a secular, godless culture. It's dark out there. We remove God out of our schools. We remove God out of our court systems. We remove God uh, many times out of our homes. And I want to tell you at the outset of this message, the church can never, never substitute the parent in the home. I mean, God's ideal is the family. Like one mama, one daddy, male and female, male and female, they produce a child or two or three or 15. I'm the baby of 11. We weren't far off. Right? And uh, the reason they did that so much uh, is because they had a farm and they needed help. Who else is going to bail the hay? So they had lots of kids. Also, we were Roman Catholic and didn't believe in birth control. That was, that was another truth. So they had lots of kids. But they raised up a generation who knew how to work. We were talking about it this morning in my class in Sunday school. And, uh, and um, <laughs> the parent has a big responsibility. But in a culture that has uh, broken down family, right, the morals of our nation are gone. Uh, the fiber of the family, the fabric of the family has been torn and broken. It's a broken How many know it is broken? You can't deny it. It's broken. And uh, so now we have single-parent homes. Now we have some children growing up with no parent in the home at all. And it's tough. And the church, aren't you glad the church is there to be there behind the family? But some folks uh, have the idea that the church is supposed to be the parent. And it's tough because I'd like to take a few young people and parent them. But my parenting, they will not like. Because it comes with the word discipline, disciple. And the greatest disciple you ever make is in your house, right? So it's National Youth Day, and if there's ever been a day, the greatest investment in this next generation has got to be today. So God has designed and assigned us. A demanding task. And our text is Psalm 78. And uh, there are approximately 50 million students in our American public schools, not counting private schools or home schools. We only have 300 million. So, I mean, there's a large portion of our nation, our students, the next gen. We're having children. How many of you, if you're brave enough to have them, you ought to be brave enough to raise them? And, uh, and if you need help, we're here. Amen? But you can't substitute the home. 85% of people who come to Christ do so between the ages of 4 and 18. Some say 4 and 14. So the numbers are going down lower, lower. If we don't get them, if we don't get them early, I mean, we could miss them forever. It's a critical stat. George Barna is the one that comes up with this stuff. And his research and other researchers say this generation is being overlooked and underreached by the vast majority of churches in America. Overlooked and underreached. How sad is that? Let me hurry up and give you good news because I hate a quiet church. I love a quiet church, but I hate when they're quiet. So if we want to make a lasting impact on this world, how many know we have to invest in the next generation? Make it a priority. Well, you got to know that Oak Grove is serious about this. We wouldn't be building a million-dollar building for Student Center, okay? But how many know this generation needs more than a building? Because anybody can build a building, but how I many know we need to build soldiers, build people? We build little warriors. 
from the nursery with Tori and Betty Joe and the team there to the to the kids and the students and the in the youth and the in the children's church and the young adults, you know. But but the but the majority of churches in America are putting all of their eggs in the adult basket. And you know why? Because adults have money and children don't. Or so you think. Children know how to get money from adults. They do, especially poppies. They know how to get poppies' pocket. And uh, and so we got to make it a priority. And at Oak Grove, I'm glad to say we did. Psalm 78, it is a powerful psalm. It is a wisdom psalm, a teaching psalm. It's not so much a praise song, Chrissy, as many of the songs in the psalms are. It's a history lesson. And the opening verses give us the curriculum in the school of faith, and it teaches us to to be the older generation and teach the younger generation. So let's look at it. Listen, listen, Linda. Listen, dear friends. Listen to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. This is the message. Please don't throw rocks at me for preaching from the message. It just says it in plain old truth. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'll let you in on the sweet old truths. Stories we heard from where? Our father. Counsel we learn from where? At our mother's knee. Greatest and number one place to raise a child is in the home. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. What are we passing along, Pastor? God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things he has done. That's what we're passing along. He planted a witness in Jacob and said the word firmly. He said his word firmly in Israel. Then commanded our parents, our parents, to teach it to their children so the next generation would know. And all the generations to come know what? Know the truth and tell the story so their children can trust in God. Never forget the works of God, but keep his commands to the letter. Heaven forbid they should be like their parents, bullheaded and bad. Don't you love the message? (laughs) I love it. I might preach from the message every week from this day forward. Bullheaded and bad. A fickle and faithless bunch who never stayed true to God. Israel. Israel. So Psalm 78 is a teaching psalm, and, and I want to break it down just a little bit. And uh, and in this culture, it is divided in, in the generations for many reasons. I, I, I may talk about it later. But there's a titanic distrust from the younger generation to the older. Uh, uh, actually, the older to the younger, they don't trust them. And the younger ones don't feel like the older ones love them. And the older ones don't feel like the younger ones respect them. So Satan has put a wedge between the generations and divided them. I mean, no, Satan always does that. When the, uh, the New Testament, uh, whenever the gospel went to the Gentiles, Satan raised up his head and put a wedge between the Jews and the new believers, Christians. He always does that. His ugly head has been lifted up, and he put a wedge between husbands and wives, children and parents. He's always doing that. His number one trick in these last days is to divide and conquer, Max. He wants to separate everybody, and that way everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes, and aren't we living that today? And so the question is, Why is connecting the generations important? The why question is vital. It's very vital. If you're taking notes, the why question is so vital. Why do we have to connect the two generations? They seem bipolar opposite. Their music is different. Their their dress code is different. Their, Their thought processing is different. Their ways of learning is different. There's so many differences, just like a man and a woman. I mean, no, there's a lot of difference between a man and a woman. Just take one thing. How does a, a husband go, a man go to sleep at night? How does the woman go to sleep at night? Well, this is how, how it is. The woman, she gets ready to go to sleep, and she says, Oh, I forgot to load the dishwasher one more time. And then she goes back to go to the bedroom. She sees some socks and some things. And, oh, I got to make one more load in the washing machine. And on and on. Oh, I gotta check the mail. I gotta do that. I gotta do all these things. And but a man, he yawns in his in his chair and he says, "Good night." Lots of differences. 
And I don't know why God didn't inform the man of some of the differences. We've been happily married all these years, right? I am happily married 40 years coming up in October. But we're not the same. Where DNA is different. And just like the generation of a child, many adults are hoping children act like adults when they're children. And so be careful when you criticize the next generation. They're only acting like you. Especially you when you were that age. And so it's it's hard because it's so divided seemingly, but it's obviously important to the younger generation. Somebody shout amen. So first of all, if you're taking notes, it's obviously important to the younger generation. For how will they learn the things of God unless the older generation teach them? Chrissy made me laugh this week. She was teaching in children's church Sunday night, and her and Taylor were trying to give a, a story. They needed to give a story just to uh, to close out the, the the lesson in Sunday's in children's church. And uh, so they picked a character, Joseph, out of the Bible. They just picked the character. And uh, so so Chrissy started telling the story of Joseph to our children. And she said, uh, <laughs> well, he was, favored by, he was favored by his father, Jacob. And the kid said, well, isn't that wrong to have favoritism? She said, yeah, 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 let's move on. <laughs> and then she said, and his brothers <laughs> put him in a pit. sliced up a lamb and put his coat all bloody and gave it to his daddy and the kids are traumatized, right? No, 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 wait, let's keep going. It's got to get better, right? Then they sold him into slavery. Still, kids are like slavery. He gets over to Potiphar's house and she didn't even know how to explain that. Potiphar's wife. So something bad happened, she said, and he went to prison. Prison! I mean, you think about it. The Bible is plain, isn't it? And it's not a little beautiful little uh, story of every happy-go-lucky everybody, right? Uh, But finally she got to the good news, and he got out of prison, went to Pharaoh's house, and freed the whole world from hunger. World peace. But uh, it's true that, that they need to learn the why questions, right? Things of God, they need to learn. So so the Lord revealed it and intended for us to teach it. There's no new revelation. How many know the canon is closed? The Bible is written. It is already written. All we are supposed to do is to replicate, teach it. Teach it again and again and again. Teach it. In fact, in Deuteronomy, Moses said to the the children of Israel, Hey, teach it to your children. Tie it around their neck. Put it on their head. Put it on their forearm. What he's saying is all day, every day, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it till they get it. Get the word of God into the next generation. That's what he's saying. And so Psalm 78 is repeating that. Uh, Verses 5 and 6, God decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. That's future thinking, isn't it? And they, in turn, do the same to their children and their grandchildren. So one generation learns from the previous one. That's God's plan. Pass it along. But before you can pass along, you got to value it. Oh, Grove, I need your help. How many things is valuable? The Word of God is valuable. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will never pass away. American government might pass away, but how many know the Word of God will never pass away? America itself might pass away, but the Word of God stands forever. It's hard to believe, but nations come and nations go. Rulers come and rulers go. But the word of God will still be there after it's all over. In fact, if you know anything about eschatology or the study of the last days, one of these days, how many know everything's going to be consumed? But the word of God will still be standing. And if you think about the word of God over the last uh, 4,000 years, 6,000 years, how many know God put the book together and it's still together? Man has tried to stamp out the Bible. Man has tried to to, to discredit the Bible and the authors of the Bible and the Holy Spirit. 
How many know they can do what they want, say what they want? They can burn the book, but they can't take the word of God out of the people's hearts. So oral tradition meant that they passed it on. Their mom and dad passed it on to their children. Grandma and grandpa passed it on to mom and dad. Mom and dad passed it on to their children. They passed it on. Pass faith along. That's how it is. We got several generations at Oak Grove that's been here. How many have more than one generation here in the church? Let me see your hand. You got more than one generation in here. Look, you got kids, grandkids in here. Of course, of course, of course. That's how it's supposed to be. Right? It starts in the home, but we got to help them out. So before you can model it, you got to value it, and then you got to model it. Teach them how to use the authority of God in the name of Jesus, the power of God. Teach them how to pray in the altars. You know why we still have altars? Because I want them to see altars. You know why we still call for an altar call? Because I want them to see God meet people here with tears and cry and pray and speak in the tongue. Call on God and depend on God. It's important. If you don't value it, there's no way they're going to value it. Spiritual fathers are what we need. I mean, we need fathers to step up to nourish and protect and uphold the next generation. Teaching young men how to think right, pure thoughts, to value insight and wisdom, how to be set apart from the world and priest unto God, not to be ashamed, not, not, not to scam them or scare them, but to save them. So a coach in baseball, I'm not really a best baseball player, football player. Uh, I put a karate chop on you, though. You mess with me. I do have some martial arts training, Mark. I, I can I can do what I need to go. Josh, I can put a hurt on somebody. But I don't do that anymore. But if you need me to, I can show you a few things. So if I was training a baseball, uh, Taylor, I would, I would take the bat, and we tell our kids, and when Tommy gets a little older, you, you know, uh, my girls even played sports, and we went out there and watched. We were committed. How many parents committed to teaching your kids? And, hey, go get them. We pray, Jesus, bless this team. Now go out there and kill them. That's what we do. But you would tell the kids, this is a bat, Johnny. This is a bat. And then you choke up. If you want to get the best leverage on the bat, choke up. Okay? Pull the bat back. Put your weight on your back. And when you come, swing level and get that thing. And just connect. Keep your eye on the ball. All of those things. For a game. Because we value it. We think it's important that your students learn these things. Can I tell you, you ought to be getting down to the detail about the word of the Lord Jesus. The plans that God has for them. The call that God has on them. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to spend time on their knees. How to weep. How to read the Bible. How to study the Bible. How to how to give the missions. How to... If you're going to spend that much time on sports, the least you can do is give them a model in the house about how to be a man or a woman of God. They hear mom and daddy pray. Instead of talking about it, they ought to see it in action, right? They need to imitate you as you imitate Christ. And there's so many instructors, the Bible says, but there's no fathers. A lot of teachers, but nobody's. Imagine somebody finding a letter. After your parents die, and it read, My dear child, I have left you great inheritance, but first you must find my will. I hid it. I cannot disclose to you exactly where it's at. I can tell you it's buried somewhere in the state of Montana. I wish you all the best and good luck. You got an inheritance, but I've got to hopefully go to Montana and like a, like a, like a, uh, a witch hunt. Look for the inheritance you left for me. How many know God never intended for us to have the word of God and hide it from our children or our grandchildren? It's not like a hunt. This is not Easter. It's over. And so he's saying, we have heard and we've known what our fathers have told us, and we will not hide these things from our children. (laughs) You know, I say often, our children at Oak Grove, you know why? Because spiritually, your children are our children. We are Oak Grove, and so we need to make our faith our legacy. Psalm 145.4, one generation shall praise your name and your works to another and declare them to the next generation. I tell you, today's kids are growing up in a high-pressured, aggressive world system. 
anybody thinks differently that religious uh, religiosity is neutral is kidding yourselves. They are not neutral. They are aggressively, and they have an agenda. I mean, no, the devil has a plan. But I've got good news. God has a plan, and that is to replicate the Word of God into our children. There's an old book years ago, Winky Pratney wrote, Devil Take the Youngest. Devil Take the Youngest. It's a crazy book. It might still be in print. But it talks about how Satan has strategically made a plan to attack the children. And I think it's very much happening in our eyes. There are all kinds of demonic forces vying for the hearts of the next generation's soul. And the world is, is um, handing down hatred. They're passing it along. Unforgiveness, hatred, rudeness. I don't know what happened to manners. Did we forget it? Did we forget it? Oh, how many ever had your mouth washed out with soap? I mean, real soap. Not just talking it. How many of your parents, your mother, washed your mouth out with soap? Yeah, mama wasn't a talker. She wasn't a talker. She was a doer. And how many of you walked to the tree to get the switch you're about to get whipped on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good old days. Can I tell you, that's the longest walk I ever took. I didn't come back right away. But you can see it's evident. Look at the media, both TV and, and social media, and see the target is the teenagers, the children. They're being set up for moral disaster. And if the older generation fails to teach them to stand up for this faith and, and their faith, um, boy, we need to see faith. We need to see it. They need to see it. In motion, overcoming faith, victorious faith, committed to the faith. And the church is part of that. Hey, don't tell your children to go to church. Bring them to church. Don't tell them it's valuable. My parents told me I should go to church every Sunday, but they never went to church one day. You know what I did? I didn't go either. Monkey see. Y'all love that, that, that theology, I know, but that's the deal. Now, before you uh, make any any ideas, uh, I'm talking about real faith that works. And, and it's, first of all, the parent's job. Not It's not primarily the church's job. It's the parent's job. But we do need surrogate fathers, spiritual fathers, and spiritual mothers who would adopt children who do not have, who would, who spiritually, who do not have somebody investing in their lives. You know how many grandparents today are taking care of their children because the parents didn't weren't able to do that brokenness in the home so if parents are doing it the church backs them up but the young are not the only ones struggling can i tell you the next gen below us is not the only one struggling the older generation is struggling we're trying to learn how to relate i mean i mean there's a whole new vocabulary you know how many times pastor ron gets in trouble because he says things that are inappropriate to the next generation i don't even know it they have their own language. It's like another country with another tribe of people. I don't even know what they're talking about. And they don't even have words. They have little letters like, like BTW, by the way. What did you just say, by the way? Why well, you have to put everything in abbreviated little letters? I don't know all the alphabet things. LOL. I was like, I got to go back to school. And get the dictionary out and figure out what I just said wasn't right. I didn't know it meant that. It's real. And if I'm going to pass it along or if I'm going to have to work with them, I'm going to have to learn their language. Did you know that if you eradicate a language from a culture, you lose the culture? Gary and Joni talk to them every day this week. I mean, oh, they miss us. They miss us pretty bad. They're in the middle of the ocean. If you're thinking about them, message them on Facebook or something, Messenger. And they're sitting in the house like, we said yes to God. What did we do? <laughs> the Lord's going to be with them. Do you believe that? But if you can encourage them, that would be awesome. And I put them on FaceTime, and I walked all over and saw their house and all, and the centipedes. But um, we're struggling, too. We're struggling, too. We're struggling raising godly kids in an ungodly world. Got conflicted values. I mean, I mean, uh, I want you to listen to me because normal is disappearing and abnormal is the order of the day. 
So abnormal seems to be normal, and normal is abnormal to the culture that we're living in. And so, so what used to have values that we pass on, but they go to school and they're seeing all kind of other things. I mean, we better get our kids together and talk to them. If you talk to them when they're little, they will listen to you when they're big. But you can't just put your head in the sand. We need to raise up a generation. Before you can pass it on, you have to possess it yourself, the faith. In case you think it's all one-sided, we as a church need the next generation. As much as the next generation needs the church, us older people. I'm not old yet, but the older people anyway. They need us too. I don't know about you, but I want to see kids in the hallways of Oak Grove. I just want to see them running off. I don't care if they're hanging off the wall. I don't care if they're eating the bark off the pew. I don't care. I just want them to just let them crawl around. Let them just just tear it up. I don't. I'm not tear it up. I, I mean, I hope you will whip them. I remember the first time I whipped the girls uh, in my last church. Uh, they were running in church, and I told them that's a rule we have in my house. We don't run in church, and they ran in church down the middle aisle. And uh, I said, when I get home, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Well, they cried before we ever got home. They cried all the way home because I'm such a monster. And uh, and they didn't get a whip, and they were disappointed because they were ready. They had poor, uh, several underwear on to cushion. Yeah, they, they were ready. They were ready and very disappointed when Daddy did not whip them because yeah, they had a plan because they always think they're smarter than he is. But what happens is, is in the church is as soon as we get some kids, we want them to stop acting like kids instead of teaching them to stop acting like we did when we were their age. So everything's not perfect. We can't have everything perfect. A lot of kids means a lot of mess. And many people say, I've never let my kids. Oh, really? Yeah, my kids will never act like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard that one too. How many know we need the next generation? So value them. Kids remind us of what we are all about. It's not about us. It's not about what we want or our comforts or our wishes or quiet, peace, and quiet. Those are two things you don't get when you have children and grandchildren. Just comes with a package. And churches, some churches are saying, I'm just going to not, I'm not going to have children. I don't want nobody messing up our carpet and tearing up our church and running up the walls and, and throwing. And uh, every time we have a youth activity, we have a we have to get sheetrock, sheetrock come back and get a hole in the sheetrock. Don't we, Bear? Bear has changed things for me. Yeah. They listen to Bear. They didn't listen to the other youth pastors, but they listen to Bear. Because he said, if you put one more hole in that sheetrock, pastor's going to come see you. <laughs> not really. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a monster. But uh, but but it's about God. It's about God. It's about God's word. It's about God's will. It's God. It's about God's ways. It's about God's worship. It, it, it's it's all about Him. And we are the ones who do the teaching. We are one generation from closing the doors of Oak Grove. We don't raise up a generation, Katie, bar the door. And, and, and this is true for the smallest country church to the largest megachurch. It's all about Jesus, amen? So we need to stop so much worrying about finding Dory and finding Nemo and find Timothy. There's a young boy or girl somewhere needs to be found. They need to be loved. They need to be invested in. They need to be poured into. We need to find Timothy. Timothy's there. His daddy was Greek, and so he wasn't there. But his mother was Jew. His grandmother, Lois. His mother, Eunice. They, Timothy learned at their feet, at their knee. They read the Bible to him. There's been some women in, in ministry in, in my life, not even in ministry. They were lay people in the church, like Mama Jet, for instance. Mama Jet was a deacon's mama, but she had hair in a, in a bun, and she had pins. And when the Holy Spirit hit her, all the pins went flying, and so did she. And she danced around that altar, and one day she danced around that altar, hit the edge of that oak pew, and I thought a watermelon exploded. And I thought somebody needs to call 911. But Mama Jack got back up and started dancing again. You know why? When it's real, it's real. She was the real deal. She showed me Pentecostal fervor and fire and life. And one day I went to her house with the deacon, her son, to visit her. 
And she had her tray, her dinner lunch tray out and her Bible open. And she said, Brother Ron, come say, this is what I'm looking at today. And, and, and then Rosie Cheek. Rosie Cheek was at Peace Chapel. I would, I would swap flies and drink tea with Rosie Cheek, founding leader and member. Corfay Green, Wanda Cole, uh, you know, Carol Perry, right? Brother Cole. Men and women who make an imprint on your life. Brother Janway, Sister Janway, and Bobby, Bobby Wilson, my all-time pastor, my pastor, who's now with the Lord. So who's going to take his shoes? I'm going to tell you why. I don't care how old you are. You still need somebody. I don't care how old you get. You're not, you haven't learned all you need to learn. You haven't done all you need to do. So, so get you somebody that can pour into you and, uh, and understand we got to find Timothy and keep, and keep the torch lit and, and passing along the torch to the next generation. So why would we build a church and not care for the kids who will someday leave it all to? We're going to leave it all to them. Why do we have all of this at 1320 South Oak Grove if we have nobody to leave it to? We have to invest in the next generation. And everybody shouted, amen, amen. With your feet, with your mouth, with your ears, listening to them, with your eyes, getting on their level and looking at them, talking to them, valuing them. They're running around. Do you see them? They're not just a bunch of rugrats. They are our children and grandchildren. They are valuable. And listen, they're coming up. I told Pastor Bear, hang in there. You're going to have a youth group you ain't going to know what to do with. It's good that, that our couples are having babies. It's good that we have young couples. Yes? Yes, of course. Keep preaching, Pastor. It's got to get better. It's, it's a pearl of great price. We don't hide it. We don't got, hide God's word and God's work from our children. Who would do this? Nobody intentionally, right? Nobody. So teachers must engage your mouth, right? Students must incline their ear. It's not one or the other. It's both and, right? You need both and. And it's, it's vitally important. I hope that you get this. And, uh, and so the, 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 the mentor uh, should be speaking, and the, and the student should be listening. Uh, the mentor, the teacher, no judgment. Do it with a sweet spirit. The student, climb your ear with a submissive spirit. Uh, if you don't understand, get clarity. Can I tell you, if you're a mentee, if you're a young person here today, ask questions. I guess my professors in Bible school must have thought I was the dumbest kid they ever met, Mark. Because, I mean, I went to Theology 1, class on theology, the study of God, right? Theo is his name. That was a long time before I even knew that. And they were saying soteriology, so they want to talk about salvation, soteriology. They threw out that word, and I was like, does anybody know this language? Because I just got saved a few years ago. I don't have a clue what he's talking about. So I raised up my hand. Boop. I was taught to raise your hand. I don't know if they still do that. But I raised up my hand and said, hey, excuse me. I hate to disrupt your teaching, but what is soteriology? Well, that's the study of salvation. Oh, that's great. Next, pneumatology. I'm not, whoop. Excuse me, sir. Um, I'm sorry, what is that again? Pneumatology? Yeah, yeah. What is that? Well, that's the study of the Holy Spirit, the wind, the spirit. Oh, good. And on and on we went. Ecclesiology, eschatology, all the ologies. I was wore out my first class. Wore out. Because I asked so many questions and I felt bad because, you know, Satan wants to make you feel like you're dumb, but you're not dumb. The only dumb question was the one you forgot to ask. Well, I asked a lot of questions. And you want to know what great leaders ask great questions. Hey, great learners ask great questions. And so I ask a lot. So that's the why. Okay? That's the why. They are watching you, how you think, how you speak, how you act, how you live. Are you handing down hatred? Or are you handing down love? So let's get to the how, verse 4. Do you see the curious expression in verse 4? We will not hide them, God's words and works, from their children. It's a pearl of great price, so don't hide it. It's, a, it, it's, it's important. Who, who would hide it? Nobody. Intentionally, right? 
How can it be done? Uh, well, we talk about God's goodness along the way when you rise up, when they go to sleep at night, all along the day when you pick them up at school. You know, I know we're, t- we're all in the rat race. I know we are. I remember trying as a pastor and a busy father and pastor, take my girls to school, and I'd have to, I'd have to give devos at 8 o'clock on the way to school, drop them off. And it had to be fast devos. I mean, oh, it took them a while to get ready. They're girls. And then, and then I, we lived very close to the school, so I like 10 minutes, right? So I would teach them on the way to school. And then when they opened the door, I said, hey, uh, make good choices. Have a great day. Make good choices. Make good choices. They need that. And, and let me just tell you a little bit about reverse mentoring. Everything I taught, I learned myself. So as I was teaching, I was keeping it in my heart. You understand, everything you teach, you have to study, right, to show yourselves approved unto God, work men and women who need not be ashamed. So if you're studying it to teach it, you're also getting a reminder of it as well. So you're continuing on your education. By passing it along, you're continuing it on. So so how can it be done? We hide it by not teaching them the word. Our kids and our youth and our young adults and many adults desperately need the word of God hidden in their hearts. Not their Bible in their closet, but in their heart. David said, Psalm 119, 11, or Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Still true. And that's why Sunday school and youth and kids church and Royal Ranger and girls ministry activities and camp and missions trips and all the things we do here. We're not just here just wasting time. How I many know everything we do at Old Grove is for a purpose? Raise up another generation. Sunday school. But you know what? Once you get older, you know, maybe past 50 or a little older, you're like, I've done my time. I hear it all the time. I've done my time. And we can't even find anybody to, to serve in children's ministries. Not even young people want to serve in children. You know what else they don't want to do? They don't want to be a pastor. I heard them coming out of Bible school say, I'll do anything, but don't make me be a pastor. So who showed them it was that bad? We've been doing it for 35 years. I'm having the time of my life. So what you say brings either a positive or a negative influence on a generation. Now they don't want to because they heard all the horror stories. And listen, you can't avoid it. Sheep bite. And if you're a shepherd, you're going to get bit. But that's where you got mercuricone, methylate. You remember those things? No, you don't. I'm just too old. Um, Band-Aid. You ever heard of that? Hey, how can you even minister? Here's what a lot of preachers are doing. They're ministering from their wounds. And they can't seem to do it. Because you're never supposed to minister from your wounds. You heal, then you minister from your scars. You let the next generation know, hey, 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 you see that? That was that board meeting when I got chewed up and chewed down. Don't mean you shouldn't be in a board meeting. It just means sometimes they go crazy. And, and le- unless you think it's one-sided, how many know there's some pastor did some dumb things to people in the body? Okay. You know why? We're all human. And so before you go saying, we need a bigger church, remember that a bigger church means bigger problems. Now, just saying, because should I go on preaching or should I make this a series? It's very important around here. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20. Commit yourself to thy word, to my word. Tie it to your hands. Wear it on your head. Right? We are to supplement the home. Where they get what they can get. Never, never get anywhere else. And Old Grove is working hard to do this. Help me appreciate those who serve youth and children in this church. Would you do that? Help me appreciate them. So how do I do it, Pastor? What do I say to them? Well, the Bible tells it right here. Say, say the praises of God. Hey, your testimony, you have a story. Every one of you have a unique story. You've made it through storms. You've come through hard times. God has been faithful to you. Does anybody here say God has been faithful to you? Of course. Tell it to them. 
It's like the coach who was uh, talking to little Johnny. I love this story. Little league coach suddenly stopped the, the game and walked over to little Johnny, who just made an out. And his coach looked down at him and said, Johnny, listen, son, do you understand what cooperation is, what a team is? Johnny nodded his head, yes, sir. Uh, the coach proceeded, well, do you, do you know it matters if you win, uh, if we win and we win together as a team? Do you understand that, Johnny? Johnny, yeah, yeah, I understand, coach. And, and Johnny, when a strike is called and you're out at first, we don't argue with the umpire or tactic coach. Do you understand? Do you know that, Johnny? Yes, sir. Then go over there and tell your mother. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. You don't have to laugh if you don't want to. You know. The point is it's easy to ignore or hide things from our kids. But we must be real. This next generation wants real people. One of the things I love about Old Grove is you're you're real. You're real. Let this culture and this world and this city say what they want about you. You are the real, genuine article. You are the real deal. Go ahead and give yourself a little hand. Maybe you like like it. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe you're not real. I don't know. Am I lying? Go ahead and give God praise. You are the real deal. I've been pastoring you 21 years. You are the real deal. Okay, I know you you don't want to be proud. But um, but um, children are not dumb, and and they sometimes appear they 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 appear that way. They need to see they need to see God's mercy. They need to see God's compassion. Uh, I wanted to bring this out because when Jesus walked up, the children ran to him. They ran to him. He didn't have enough laps for all the kids. I'm sure they thronged around him. You know why? Children want real. They want genuine people. And um, so you can you can hide it if you want to, but it's not going to be good for you. The next next generation need to hear your story, um, how he rescued you from temptation, how he blessed you in your obedience, how he trust you trusted him in trial and you got the victory, how you prayed and saw the miraculous, how he filled you with the spirit and joy, how he used you to lead a soul to Christ. Defining moments that he led you in wisdom. Don't hide it. Tell it. Tell it to the next generation. You can hide it by in- inconsistency. They're looking for you. When you miss church, they're looking for you. Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Where are they at? Um, um. So they need to see you do what you value. And believe. Inspire them by your actions. Some kids have no other role models. They really do need you. I said they really do need you. The world is busy finding Nemo and Dory. We must get busy finding Timothy. And it takes two to disciple. We need mentors and we need mentees. So if you have a blank piece of paper, this is how we're going to close. If you take your notes, you have a blank piece of paper. I don't have any. Chrissy, you and the band, uh, the worship team can come back. I was going to get your paper and pencil, but some of you wouldn't even come up and participate anyway, so I'll let you do it on your own. Or you can do it this afternoon, but find a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to sign your name at the bottom and say, God, fill in the rest. Your life ought to be so sold out to Jesus that you don't have to dictate everything. I mean, no, Jesus can take care of your life. You just sign your name at the bottom. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. If there's a kid in this church, if there's a student or or a young person or or an adult or somebody who needs needs me, here am I, Lord. If you're willing, would you stand to your feet? Come on. We need to to help them. And as we close, I just want to give you this last piece. two things. I thought this was a powerful story. An African game park, in an African game park, the rangers were dealing with overpopulation of elephants. They they resolved to shoot all the older ones to reduce the population. That was their resolve. Shoot all the older elephants to reduce the population. And they did it. Within a few months, they were blown away as they created a dysfunctional herd. Listen to this. The younger elephants had radical changes in their behavior. They've been 
they began to kill the other uh, uh, rhinos and gazelles and just wild. They went wild. Something they knew that they never did before previously with the older elephants. Also, they poisoned themselves by eating the wrong food. The younger elephants poisoned themselves. And they rampaged through the towns, and they had to be shot. So because they got rid of the older elephants, it caused such a stir. They had no mentors and teachers. They had to shoot the younger ones. That just so moved me. I I just want you to see. The rangers concluded that the negative effects were the results of killing off the role models, the herd's mentors. The older bull elephants passed on their experience to the younger. They showed them migratory routes. Don't go through town. They taught them what to eat, what not to eat, how to behave, created stability, ensured success for the next generation of elephants. Don't you leave here and say, Pastor Ron called us a bunch of elephants. I'm just telling you, it takes two. It takes two. Pretty disturbing. Pretty disturbing. I don't have time to finish, but I got to tell you this last. Verse 9. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Listen to this. They were armed with bows. They had all the weaponry. They had everything they need. But somehow or another, when they got into the battle, they feared and forgot God and ran out of battle. Oak Grove, I know your heart. How would you like to stand in the face of adversity in a dark, a dark, wicked culture, stand up and say, no matter what, we are going to reach into this next generation and raise them up for the glory of God. Would you do that with me? Would you raise your hand and say, God, help us as a church. Father God, help us as a church to be one generation teaching the next. Help us to eradicate the myths and the lies. Help us to look for teachable moments. Help us to create teachable moments. Put Timothy's in our paths. Ruth's in our paths. Help us to seek out these children. Call them by name and encourage them. We set our hope in you. And we do not forget you. It's worth it. It's hard. But it's definitely worth it. It's not going to happen by osmosis.